0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to New Books and Biography, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Mark Klobis, your host for the channel. Today, I'm speaking with Kat D. Williams, author of the book, Isabel Lefty Alvarez, The Improbable Life of a Cuban-American Baseball Star. Kat, welcome to the New Books Network.
1: Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Well, you're welcome. It's nice to have you on our show. I was wondering if you would start us off by telling our listeners something about yourself.
1: Uh, Sure. Um, I am um, uh, a college professor at Marshall University, um, and while that's my full-time paid job, I'm also the president of the International Women's Baseball Center, which is my unpaid full-time job and and my first love. So I'm pretty absorbed in uh, both the history and the present of baseball.
0: What was it that led you to write a biography about this? Remarkable woman. I mean, what was that that, that drew you to her, and what was it about her life that really stood out to you as 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 deserving of of the of a full length book?
1: Right. Well, um, in two thousand three, um, I went to a reunion of the All American Girls Professional Baseball League Players Association. Most people are aware of this league uh, because they saw the nineteen ninety two movie A League of Their Own. Um, they have a players association and have had since the eighties and every year they would have a reunion and members could come. It was, uh, it was, you know, it, it was always a lot of fun. Well, I was told about this in 2003 when I was at Cooperstown uh, at the Hall of Fame doing some research. And and so I was really nervous about going. I did. I didn't know any of these women. And after all, you know, it's it's like I felt like I was intruding. But I went It was in Syracuse. It was the 60th anniversary of of the league. And um, one of the first people I met was this short sort of bubbly woman that came running up to me and said, Hey, do you know where Jane is in, in with an accent? And I'm looking at her like, what? And that was, that was lefty. And I, and I said, I don't no Jane. And she said, Oh, Holy cow. There she is. And she took off running across the, uh, across the lobby. And I'm, I'm standing there thinking, and I'm telling my age here, you know, I'm old enough to remember candid camera. I was sitting there thinking, or standing there in the lobby thinking, Oh my God, what, what just happened? Um, that was my first introduction to lefty. But, but then I, I very quickly, we became friends and, um, I just, one story after another just kept it, It I was amazed. And, and so then several people kept saying, you know, you should really set her down and have her tell you about her life in Cuba. Did you know, and you know, did you know this? And so I did that. And one of the former ballplayers, Maybelle Blair, who is also a very dear friend of mine, um, finally suggested to me, and I use the word suggested loosely, it was more of a demand, uh, Kat, you need to write this book. You need to tell Lefty's story. And so at the same time, I was, um, I had finished my first book and I was really, I wanted a way to dig into the stories of those players, but not just tell another history of a, a, a regular biography of a baseball player. And so uh, Lefty's life was uh, and is uh, just an amazing story of strength and courage and determination. And baseball's pretty much sports in general and baseball in particular are pretty much the it's kind of the the vehicle, really, that that we use to tell her story more than it is um, the the primary piece of the story. Uh, but i I became just uh, enamored uh, I uh, I was amazed by her story and and I felt like it was one that that could and should be told
0: I've had a, such an amazing story not you know the the base her, her career in baseball was really fascinating but it was also fascinating to read about you have her as this uh, as as a mid twentieth century American immigrant, uh, the the you know what it was that that, that drew her to America, the, uh, the the challenges that she faced in, in, in coming to America, uh, the 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 family dynamics that were uh, at play in coming to America in terms of propelling her, and also the the, the, the emotional strain that of, of what she left behind, and it was it was it was also fascinating in some ways representative, and in some ways also very unique.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really was. Um, And that was one of the things that was so um, compelling about this story for me. I, I have always, for some reason, I have no connection to Cuba, but I have always been um, just, uh, I don't know, interested and uh, intrigued. So I have always sort of, you know, read some of the history followed along just amazed by the culture and of course as most people know or many people know Cuba is a baseball crazy country and so um so I I thought you know this is a really uh interesting way into uh this story why is is Cuba um, so uh, in love with baseball. What does that mean for for male, for boys? Um, what does it mean for girls? And then. I started asking myself those those larger questions. And as I got to know Lefty a little more and I started to find out about her life and her background in Cuba, I thought, oh, my God, this is just such an amazing way to tell that history through the lens of this young girl. Um, Her father was what she called, and this is her language, a policeman under the regime of dictator Batista Um, later, much later uh, her brother fought with Castro. And, and so, the what happens in between there is a family torn apart by by Cuban politics and 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 a, a a way that uh men are supposed to be and women are supposed to be and baseball really was in the middle of that so when one of the things that i um i i do in the book at the at the at the beginning and this was in part due to lefty's urging i really talk um pretty detailed about the history of Cuba, Um, not this is not a history book about Cuba. But I wanted to put Lefty in that context because she as she says, she is a product of her country. She is a product of the fact that she lived under Batista's uh, regime and then and then didn't. Um, And so she is, um, she is a good example. They were not a wealthy family. Her mother was determined. Her mother grew up very poor. Uh, Her father, on the other hand, had been uh, adopted by a, a fairly wealthy Catholic priest. So Lefty is convinced that her mother married her father for money. But, but her mother had this, this almost, this passion, almost, unbelievably, uh, forceful passion to make lefty quote middle class. And that's believe it or not how lefty got into sports. Her mother was trying desperately, uh, in the context of all this change and all this turmoil in that context in Cuba, in Havana, her mother is trying desperately to make sure lefty, a girl in Cuba, um, uh, would have other opportunities And to me, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the focal point of this story. It's using sports, not just, um, oh, she happened to be a baseball player.
0: And as you describe uh, the challenges that, uh, that uh, Lefty faced uh, were in terms – a lot of them were dictated by the terms of the time, uh, the attitudes about uh, educating girls that were held not just by the men but also by her mother. But you also described how her mother was trying to find these outlets that – were appropriate for women specifically of of, of women of, of of upper class but also but it but they weren't just sports you, you describe how uh she entered lefty into beauty pageants she was really trying to find lefty's niche and i, I thought that yeah. was really fascinating
1: yeah it really was and in fact uh some of those um gosh uh, some of that really turned out to be just horrifying for lefty but Anyone that picks up the cover of this book will see on uh on the front uh, that Lefty was and still is incredibly beautiful. When she was a young young girl, her mother again, as you say, finding it any way she possibly could to get Lefty out of what was what what her mother saw was going to be a similar life to the one that she had. Um she entered her into a beauty contest and lefty you know, in telling the story. She's laughing. She said, you know, I, she put me in a pretty dress and she, she walked me in. Before I started to go up on stage, she stuffed things in my bra. And <laughs> she said, I didn't, I, you know, and, and here's lefty is a kid. At this point, she's like 14. And, and so she had no interest no interest. And by the way, she came in second in that beauty contest. <laughs> but she her mother also while she wanted lefty to have an opportunity to for something else. Um she did see that yeah, maybe that's not the best way to go. But unfortunately, she also was um, she was misguided. One of the things that she did was set up this quote interview with a guy that ran a radio show. Now, keeping in mind, again, Lefty is quite beautiful. She's a young girl at this time. At this point, I don't know exactly her age. I know when she was 13 or 14. Um, her mother sent her off to this radio station to do an interview for a job. Now, Lefty is unsure what kind of job her mother thought she was going to get at 13 or 14. But again, she was trying desperately to find a niche. Unfortunately, what happened was that um, uh, Lefty was um, what we would call it by today's terms, sexually harassed by this man. And Lefty began to sort of internalize that. And and so it wasn't that her mother was trying to sell her body, wasn't trying to sell her off. It's it's almost as if she just didn't quite get it. And there were other situations like that where her mother would would say, here, go do this. Go to this dentist. Let me give you, you know, we don't have any money, but you go to the dentist. Well, again, the same thing happens. Um, eventually, though, she does realize, her mother realizes that Lefty is First of all, she's always out in the street playing some sort of sport. She's climbing trees or she's playing sports. She's playing baseball on the street with her brother and all the other kids in the neighborhood. And finally, her mother realizes, oh, wait a minute, she's a really good athlete. And so her mother tries sports. Not First, it's not baseball because, there. Are, again, remember her mother's primary goal is middle class. So there are certain sports, and that's true today, that we associate with upper class or middle class. For example, it might be golf. Uh, or for or tennis. Or tennis, exactly. And uh, so her mother, uh, keeping that in mind, it wasn't necessarily golf or tennis there, but it was fencing, for example. Um, Lefty said, my mother picked me up one day and took me to a gym where this man taught me how to fence. And she said that I should, I should learn how to fence. And she said, so I did. And there's a, there's a picture in the book of lefty uh, fencing. Uh, There's, uh, there was also volleyball was, was something that, that girls and women played Uh, soccer. She was a very, very good athlete. In fact, she told me one of her favorite sports all along was volleyball. Um, But Again, her mother was trying to control what sport she played, not out on the street, but but any kind of uh, organized sport, because she didn't want it to be something that uh, was considered or or might be considered uh, lower class.
0: I feel like this is a good point to talk a bit about the place of baseball in Cuba in the Mm 1930s and 1940s. Why was it that it was not necessarily the the first sport that that lefty's mother thought about? And what was it ultimately that made it such a a better opportunity for lefty than, say, sticking with volleyball or fencing or or some other sport?
1: Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, uh, baseball was brought back to Cuba in the late 1890s by two uh, Cuban uh, men who had come to the U.S. to play, uh, or I'm sorry, had come to the U.S. for college. Um, and, And from that moment. Baseball was, you know, they ultimately called it the, uh, the, the passion of the island. Like this is, uh, it, they took to that sport. They love that sport throughout the, the various attempts at revolution and in attempts to gain independence from Spain. Um, uh, baseball became this place, this location where um, uh, revolutionaries or uh, individuals fighting to bring about some political change in Cuba, baseball was this place where they met. It was a a, a kind of a working class. Everybody played it. Um, And, and it, it became a, a, uh, a sport of revolution. It became a sport of change. And one of the things that started to happen was that Cubans started to play the game of baseball uh, in huge, huge numbers. And what that meant was that then they were no longer flocking to the sports that the Spanish considered uh, acceptable, for example, bullfighting. So ultimately the Spanish at one point outlawed baseball in, in Cuba. They, they said, uh, nope, no more baseball. You've got to, you know, we want to make sure that it, it, was, a, it was a means of control. Um, so baseball had always sort of been this grassroots uh, uh, connection to, to Cuba, to Cuban, uh, to Cuban culture. And as I said, lefty played it on the street. And uh, and and you know, Lefty's mother was not one to, oh yes, we're you know we're going to fight for independence. We let's get behind those rebels. Not that she was political in that way. So baseball to her was, and now let me just say she loved baseball. That's the other piece of this. Her mother loved baseball, but she didn't necessarily see it as something for Lefty. She didn't necessarily see it for something that would get Lefty out of Cuba or out of poverty. Um, but Lefty continued to play it. And, and and she was clearly very good. In 1947, the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League went to Havana for spring training. So they had been their spring training was different than what we think of for Major League Baseball. Um, they would go to for until 47, they had gone to Mississippi and they'd gone to some other Southern states and, and and all the players would go and they would have spring training and then they would disperse to their, to their uh, hometowns. Um, What they wanted to do a spring training in Cuba in 1947, this is also the year. And at the same time that Jackie Robinson was um, appearing in spring training for the first time with major league baseball. And, and so, Lefty's mother somehow got wind of the fact that the All-Americans were coming. And in anticipation of that, a businessman in Cuba, we believe he probably had business connections to Philip Wrigley, the owner of the All-Americans League. Um, he began a Cuban women's team patterned after the All-Americans. And the thought was that he would put this team together. They'd have the same kind of uniforms, you know, wear the dress and the same rules. He would put this team together and they would play the all-americans when they got there uh they would play exhibition games well lefty's mother got wind of this and one day lefty was out on the street playing uh ball and her brother said "Uh, uh mama wants you to come to the house she's taking you someplace she took lefty to this tryout and she made the team Uh, De Leon was the businessman. He was a wine merchant and he had the girls live at his ranch for a while and he trained them and Lefty made his team. And that uniform that she's wearing on the cover of the book is the uniform for uh, the Cabanas. Uh, And so her mother, she she loved the game of baseball. But for her, it didn't seem like an opportunity. But then when it became an opportunity, uh, she was all in. She got Lefty there. Lefty made a uh, uh, made a huge uh, impression on De Leon. And, uh, you know, the rest, as they say, is history.
0: One of the things that fascinated me was your description of the uh, early, that early phase of uh, Lefty's experience with professional baseball, because she doesn't go straight to America. Uh, she you, uh, goes on this tour. And it's just fascinating to think about how, uh, especially at a time when 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 you, know, you had uh, air travel, but it was generally the uh, the the you know the province of the wealthy and and, and the professional that that she, she as as a kid. I mean, she's she's not even seventeen at that point. Is getting on a plane, flying to Nicaragua, and she ends up dancing with the dictator of Nicaragua.
1: I know. I know. It's a crazy story. And and, um, you know, she, this was apparently in, of course, the days, too. It's hard for us to imagine this now. But the planes, of course, were, were relatively small um, and you could sit up with the pilot. You know, you could you could get on. And so a couple of times, particularly because she was young and you know a, a little nervous. And so a couple of times, you know, she tells the story of being able to sit up on a box. Uh, near the pilot. And, but she, um, yeah, she said, you know, the, the first time, um, you know, she walked up the steps holding a suitcase. She walked up the steps to a plane and got on. She never looked back. She doesn't know what her mother was doing or saying. And and one can only imagine she sent lefty off at age 15 for Pete's sake. Mm -hmm. And, um, but she, she went, you know, it, it's it's one thing for and I'm not a I I don't have children so I I can't really understand what this must be like but but you know it's one thing to be a parent and send your 15 year old daughter off uh, to play baseball in in the 1940s but it's another thing to be 15. She spoke no English by the way now in the the Latin American tour that clearly wasn't as much of an issue except that uh, in trying to converse with the all Americans. Um, but she, she spoke no English. She was 15. She had never been out of Havana and, and here she is, you know, they played baseball in Nicaragua and El Salvador, and she danced at the palace with, um, Samosa. It's like, you know, this is almost seems unreal. And the first time she told me the story about dancing with Samosa, I'm like, really? Really? You know, and, and so I, I, and I thought, you know, because sometimes it's, it's a little hard to follow lefty. She, she, you know, she's like uh, it, it, her, her mind. And I get this because mine's much the same is a little bit like a pinball, you know, boing, boing, boing. But I, um I said, well, okay. So then we went on talking about something else and we came back to that and I said, You really did? She said, yeah. And so later as I, you know, I interviewed other people and I read more about that, that that was true. And, and I just was blown away by it. And it's, if you didn't really poke and prod lefty, you'd never know that. You'd never know it. Uh, For her, it was part of a bigger journey of playing baseball. Um, but that, uh, Latin American tour, um, the, the point behind it really was a business one. It was a business decision. Meyerowitz, who took over the All-Americans um, after Wrigley stepped away, had hoped of uh, had hopes of expanding the league. And it, that ultimately did not happen. But for many of those women, it was an amazing experience and certainly for lefty.
0: So how did that experience translate into Lefty's uh, involvement with the All-Americans and her, uh, and her joining one of the teams of the All-Americans and playing baseball in the United States?
1: Well, when she first tried out uh, and first played in that uh, in those exhibition games in 1947, uh, the uh, manager uh, came to Lefty's house and talked to her mother and said, "Look, she's a really good ball player. We'd like to offer her a contract to come to America to play, uh, but she's a little too young." So which is really interesting when you think about it. She's too young to come to the United States to play, but not too young to go off on a on a tour <laughs> of Latin America. But um, but so they um, they said to her, you know, when she's when she's uh, an, a, in another year, we'll you know, we'll sign a contract and and then she can come to the U.S. to play. So um, Lefty was she was excited, but not nearly as excited as her mother, I think. Um, and she, that meant she had, uh, she had a year to prepare and she played exhibition games and things like that. But when the time came, she actually traveled to the U S with three other Cuban players, which was wonderful. They were, one of them spoke a little bit of English and, um, and, and Lefty being the youngest, uh, you know, they kind of took her under her wing a little bit, but she, Again, she tells a similar story. She had a suitcase and the glove that De Leon had given her because she had never had a baseball glove before. And she walked up those steps. She got on that plane and she said, I never looked back. I I never looked back. And the thing that, two things that she uh, uh, always came back to, two memories was seeing the tall buildings in Chicago. And then the other one was she was met there and it was spring of the year. She was met there by a fam with a by a family that she had never met uh, with a coat and Lefty had never had a coat. So there were these two just when you think about it, it's so innocent. You know, it's so innocent and so almost childlike. But uh, but, yeah, she got off that plane and walked out onto the baseball field.
0: So. Uh, was she playing in league straight away? And uh, what sort of what sort of role was she playing uh, on the teams on which she was assigned?
1: Well, she um, lefty was um, almost immediately uh, assigned to there were two teams two teams, uh, the, the Chicago Colleens and the Springfield Sallies that were what they called, um, like practice teams or rookie leagues, something like that. And she was on the Colleens. And so one of the things that, and that was really good because again, she was young, she was, um, you know, she was inexperienced. And so it was good for her to be with a, a group of players that were also a little bit younger. Now, again, the language was a huge issue, um, but Lefty was a pitcher, and she was a good pitcher. Uh, she also played some some other positions, but for the most part, she was a she was a pitcher. Uh, hence, the nickname Lefty. And by the way, I refer to her as Lefty because that was her request. When I met her, I was introduced to her as Lefty and um when i started writing this book i asked her do you want me to refer to you as isabel or lefty and she thought about it for a minute and she said no um my teammates gave me the nickname lefty and that's really who i am so call me lefty so that's why i refer to her as lefty um but she was lefty was a good ball player she was not a superstar uh, but even on the callings, she uh, she 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 did a good job. You know, she played pretty regularly um, and then she was transferred to uh, the Fort Wayne uh, Daisies. And the in Fort Wayne was kind of, quote, the big leagues. And she loved Fort Wayne. In fact, that's where she still lives is Fort Wayne. Um, so Lefty was. Uh, again, not a superstar, but she was a, uh, uh, if not an everyday player, uh, a player that uh, she pitched pretty often. Her her stats are included in the book.
0: I found when I was reading about her baseball career, there was this element of tragedy in it, in the sense that she—you describe how she goes to Fort Wayne, and it's she maybe goes a little bit young because you described that the the, the drop off in her statistics, but it seemed that you know she was you know, developing, she's still in her early twenties, but her arrival in the league coincides with uh, as you're pointing out, uh, uh you know sells the league, and it, it has its various business fluctuations. And then the whole thing ends, uh, in, in, in the beginning of 1955.
1: Right. Right. Um, yeah, it is, uh, it is somewhat tragic. I, um, in a way, um, I, I think if what we're doing is looking at this through the lens only of a baseball career, uh, it, it is. She, um, she played the league ended in 1954 and Lefty was um, had been injured and therefore uh, was unable to be um, on the field for uh, the, the last game, the all star game. But she Fort Wayne was home, but also and I don't just mean the city. I mean that team, those people, those fans, uh, the the host family, the blees that she lived with, and and ultimately friends that she ended up living with after the league ended. Um, I, Lefty injured her leg and was in the uh, uh, was in the hospital for a while. Again, this is another one of those stories where when she was telling me the story, I I had to really dig and, and think about it and ask more questions. She insisted that she was in traction for two months. And that just didn't Makes sense to me, but, um, and I still don't know exactly what the medical, uh, what exactly was happening, but she was in the hospital for, for quite a while. So her career ended, uh, really before the league ended in 1954. Um, and she was able to watch the all-star game, the last game from the stands. Um, but she did not have that rags to riches, uh, Poor kid becomes the all- star baseball player kind of story. Uh, in fact, it was difficult. There was a year when uh, her contract did not uh, make it to Cuba. All of the f- um, foreign um, or the uh, the foreign born or the foreign players had to have a contract to get back into the country each year. They had to go after the season, during the off season, they had to go back. There were four players from Cuba, but there were a number of players from Canada and all of them had to go back home after the season was over and they couldn't get back in without a contract. Um, And this one year lefty didn't get a contract and her mother was devastated. So what she did was take an old contract, change the date on it, put lefty on a plane Along with one of the other uh, Cuban ball players, and sent Lefty to the United States without a legitimate contract. Um, now, there's no I don't really know exactly what she thought Lefty was going to do when she got there, but what <laughs> Lefty, but what Lefty did do was sort of hang out in Fort Wayne, and that's where she met Kathy Blee and the Blee family. And ultimately, they are the ones who helped her get a green card and ultimately citizenship. Uh, As it turns out, she did get a contract. They did mail her a contract, but it was lost in the mail. Um, So, you know, Lefty's career, baseball career is not your typical uh, superstar story.
0: So she is in America when the League comes to an end. How is it that she's able to remain? And what does she how does she reorient her life without the opportunity of the All-American League?
1: Yeah, it's actually it was very hard. Um, she had worked a couple of jobs. Um, the one way that she got out of going back to Cuba in the off season uh, that last year or so was that the Blees helped her get a green card, and so she could stay in the U.S. And so she had worked some some jobs like at a drive-in a restaurant and you know some things like that. Um, but. Uh, she had no desire to go back to Cuba. She really did not, uh, and and in fact, her mother sort of encouraged her not to go back. But um, so she stayed and she worked. She lived with the Blees, and she continued to play uh, organized softball. Now, um, as I said, Lefty was just a good athlete, and so. There were and many people, uh, if you're familiar with uh, softball leagues in in local areas, you're probably familiar with Turner's and uh, Turner's fields. And so she played competitive softball with uh, with a, uh, on a women's league and played at the local Turner's field there in uh, Fort Wayne and was very competitive. Um, that kept her connected to a sport. But. She also picked up some pretty bad habits. She started drinking a lot, and she was kind of lost. Um, she worked some jobs, but you know, nothing that really she could sink her teeth into. Um, it, Mr. Blee was a uh, uh, a manager or something at the local general electric plant. And um despite Lefty's attempt to get a high school, Uh, equivalency, take a a high school equivalency course, Uh, she only had a sixth grade education. And so finding a job that would be a real, a a job where she could really take care of herself was difficult. But Mr. Blee put in a word for Lefty and she uh, did indeed get a job at the General Electric plant where she worked for 33 years. And so she worked on the assembly line at GE which gave her that financial stability that she needed but she and, and continued to play softball but she continued to drink a lot uh, she tells some pretty uh scary stories about uh you know driving into cornfields uh not remembering how she got home uh not really having a place to live and she would stay with with friends and uh this was it that transitional period that period from say 55 to to the mid 80s was a very, very difficult time for Lefty. And um, ultimately, it was uh, getting reunited with her teammates from the All-Americans that that really saved her.
0: Yeah, I find it a remarkable period because you're you're right that it's it's a very difficult period. And yet, think about it from a different perspective. She's a single woman at a time when there was a lot of of uh, cha- unique challenges that single women faced she uh, was working uh, full time in, in a job it was it, you know she had those challenges but at the same time she had that success she was able to make she didn't have to go back to Cuba uh, she didn't have to you know it, it, she didn't end up in a potentially much worse situation she really persevered to that point where she was able to uh, connect it with and, and participate in that revival that takes place in the 1980s
1: yeah, it, it it really um in and in, in interviewing her, talking about that period, that quote difficult period, um, she's ashamed. And and I attempted to approach conversations with her from from the point of view that you just stated, because as I said to her, I mean, I understand, you know, we all (laughs) we all have a youth, right? (laughs) We all have things that that we wish we hadn't done or um, just feel grateful we survived. And and so, you know, I I really attempted to, to, if nothing else, help her to see that you know, what that demonstrates is your strength and your courage and your determination. And, and I don't know that I was successful in doing that for her, but I hope it comes across in the readers, uh, to the readers, because, um, ultimately one of the things that happens is it was lefty who said, I am not being my baseball self, as she called it. I am not being my best self. And if I'm not, um, Uh, If I'm not being my best self, my baseball self, um, I can't possibly uh, be around my my old teammates. And she felt like that was when she found out that in the mid 80s they were going to put together a a reunion. She was she straightened up and she said, I got to I got to be my baseball self. And that is so directly connected to my idea of sport identity. It gives, it's like that thing in you that I I can rely on that. And she did, she quit drinking. She, uh, she quote, straightened herself up and she walked in to that first reunion and she was a different person than she had been the previous, you know, fifteen fifteen 15 years or whatever.
0: So, uh, you have that moment where she has that reconnection. What does that association with the uh, the league, the the you know, the community that comes together in the nineteen eighties? What does that do for, her, and what is her involvement with it over the next several decades?
1: Oh uh, well, as I said, just the thought that they were gonna, she was gonna see them, kind of you know, pulled her up short and and suggested she needed to do something different. And then she walked into that lobby and those women just embraced her and loved her and lefty, lefty. And and as (laughs) soon as she opened her mouth, they knew who she was. And she was so proud. Um, And and so they started the the Players Association started with this one big reunion. And then they really worked to, to create an actual nonprofit organization and to have smaller reunions throughout. Well, one of the next reunions they were planning was going to be in Fort Wayne and left the, a number of folks there in uh, Fort Wayne were either former players. Uh, there was a bat girl. There were some folks who had just been, uh, friends of players, things like that, and they included Lefty in this committee in this group of people to plan. So she was she was able to throw herself into that, and that was another way that she could connect to her, as she called it, baseball self. Those are her. That's her family. That's that's who she relies on and who uh, uh, she can uh that that's where she's comfortable so she becomes involved in the planning of some of the the earlier reunions and then the the players association continued to grow and they continued to have a yearly reunions and she was always at the reunions lefty became kind of a, a local celebrity in Fort Wayne, the movie, a league of their own came out in 1992. And when that, and it some, many of the players were uh, involved in either the filming or uh, advising Penny Marshall or whatever. And, if you've see, if people have seen the movie A League of Their Own, uh, at the end there is a reunion game. There's a uh, the old players come back to the Hall of Fame when the women are being recognized at the Hall of Fame. Well, Lefty is in one of those scenes, and so the movie came premiered in '92, and she was of course still working on the assembly line at GE, and the movie came out, and she. You know, had been out for a while, and it was becoming very popular, or whatever. And she turned to her some of her coworkers, and she said, "You know that movie about the baseball uh, team? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was one of those players. No, you weren't. <laughs> yes, I was. No, you weren't. And so she had to, she had to convince them. And she said. Yeah, I'm in the movie. I'm at the end. And so then she became, and this is true for a lot of those players, they they became like local celebrities. So, you know, there are all these pictures and these stories now, like on the uh, 4th of July parade or the Labor Day parade in uh, Fort Wayne, lefty sitting on the back of a convertible waving at everybody in the parade. And, you know, so. It gave Lefty, uh, God, it gave her that connection back to baseball, but it also gave her a sense of accomplishment that she had really worked her whole life to find.
0: Hmm. Well, we've taken up a lot of your time, but before we go, could you tell us what you're working on now?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, Well, I am currently working on a project about Edith Houghton. Uh, For those who are baseball fans, uh, you might know Edith Houghton. She was the first woman to be hired as a baseball scout for the Philadelphia uh, Phillies. But she was also with a team called the Philadelphia Bobbies in 1925. She was a young kid. The Philadelphia Bobbies went off to Japan to play uh, exhibition games. And due to some mismanagement of money and some other issues, Many of the players uh, on the team got left in Japan. This is a long and very uh, sad uh, story. But Edith Houghton was indeed and uh, she has passed away, but she was indeed a, um, a baseball superstar and uh, quite an interesting story from age 10 to when she passed away at 103. She was a uh, she was quite a, an important figure in women's baseball.
0: Well, it sounds like a great project. And when you're done with it, I hope we can have you uh, back on the podcast to talk about it.
1: Oh, I'd love that. That'd be great. Thank you very much.
0: Well, well, thank you for agreeing to be on our podcast today, Uh, Kat. I hope you have a wonderful day.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.